Back in 2001, Dean Kamen promised the world a revolutionary personal transportation device. One, it was said, would eventually render cars useless. The Segway, a motorized personal vehicle on two wheels beneath a platform the rider stands on while holding handlebars and controlled as the rider distributes their weight. Kamen decided to keep his new invention a secret from the world until it was ready to unveil. But he was so convinced his invention would change the world, he met with Jeff Bezos, who said this invention was revolutionary. He met with Steve Jobs, who said the invention was bigger than the PC, and cities would be redesigned around it. The media started to catch wind of this, and the hype went into overdrive. Some people thought it was a teleportation device, a personal hovercraft, or a backpack helicopter. There was so much hype that by the time it was unveiled, Diane Sawyer of ABC News said, Because I'm tempted to say, that's it. <laughs> but that can't be it. Despite the lead-up hype, sales were terrible right away. It was a safe form of personal transportation, but there were several high-profile accidents as most riders just didn't know how to ride it. The segways were expensive and impractical. The infrastructure and regulations needed for them to become a mass form of transportation just weren't there. Electric scooters came out in 2017, and those were just more practical. And the secrecy of the project didn't help either. They couldn't do any market research to find out what people wanted, so they couldn't tweak the project at all. Today, Cayman's master invention is fodder for mall cop jokes. In the event that you approach an assailant, here's what I want you to do. You're gonna pull up, left hip forward, placing your right hand on your away hip thusly, giving the illusion that you have a gun. Of course, we both know you don't. Okay? But you know what we do have? Our voices! The company has now been sold twice, most recently to Chinese company Ninebot. The original two-wheeled Segway is no longer in production. Despite the initial excitement, the Segway was ultimately deemed impractical. Generative AI, while powerful, also faces challenges such as ethical considerations, biases in outputs, and the fact it relies on pattern recognition and lacks contextual understanding means it can't strategize but we will use it, and maybe a lot. Today, on Stories and Strategies, why generative AI might be part of a bigger problem in marketing and PR. My name is Doug Downs. Off the top, we played the theme from Paul Blart, Mall Cop, composed by Wadi Wachtel, the, mu uh, the movie distributed by Sony Pictures releasing. My guest this week is Joe Zappa, joining today from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Joe. Hey, Doug. Thanks so much for having me. How are things in Brooklyn? Up in Canada's Rocky Mountains, we've got, I'd say it's a few inches of snow right now. Not a ton, but we do have a little bit. You have any? Oh, we're doing better. No snow, sun is shining today. By the time this publishes, we're recording in December, by the time this publishes in early January, you will have the white picturesque and, and maybe not downtown Brooklyn, but you'll have it in the outskirts at the very least. 
Yeah, here our snow is covered in mud from people walking in the street, so it's very picturesque. <laughs> Joe, you're the founder and CEO of Sharp Pen Media, a content marketing and PR agency serving ad tech and martech. You're a former journalist and previously the editor of the martech media site Street Fight. Okay, chat GPT, or more broadly, really, generative AI, because lots, comp- lots of competitors out there, but more and more coming out, Google is is really ramping up. How do you see uh, generative AI affecting the balance between strategy and tactics in marketing and public relations? Yeah, well, I'm glad you started with the strategy versus tactics question, because I think that independent of generative AI is where a lot of PR and content marketing agencies go wrong. So I think often, even if the client doesn't say this, we're brought on to achieve a strategic outcome, but we actually start with tactics. So like anyone who's been on either side of that, hiring agencies, being uh, in agencies, how many times have you started an engagement? And the first thing is like, all right, what channels are we doing? What stories? Whom are we emailing? What reporters matter to you? That kind of thing. The problem with that approach is that you end up just regurgitating whatever the company is already saying on its website. You never take the time to strategically analyze uh, what should the story be? Where is this company going? Uh, And how are PR and content actually going to help us achieve those outcomes? So I like to think of strategy as involving three things. Uh, How does marketing support the business trajectory or the business objectives? What's the message? And then where and how are we going to distribute the message? So then if you think about how uh, ChatGPT or generative AI might play a role in PR and content, uh, where do they come in? I think mainly in that last bit, which is where and how are we going to distribute the message, specifically with how, right? It's about content production. Um, But that comes third after you've already analyzed How is marketing supporting where the business wants to go? And what is the message? That is the like critical thinking driven strategic work that I think really separates good agencies from poor agencies and good marketing from bad marketing. And I think the outsized attention or what I would call the outsized attention generated by ChatGPT and marketing over the last year, uh, what it illuminates is that We are, as marketers generally, too focused on tactics and not sufficiently focused on the strategy that makes those tactics successful. Why do you you think that is? I I, I agree with you. Often I'll I'll have had companies come to me and say, we we need a newsletter or we need a social media presence. You know, uh, we need an open house. If you work in public engagement, we need an open house. That used to be the thing in public engagement. Um, Is it because there's such easy proof points? Look, I published the newsletter. Look. I held the event. Why do you think we we end up so focused on on tactics and events? Yeah, one reason for sure is measurement. So, uh, you know, we're in the age of digital marketing. Everyone wants to be data driven or pretend they're data driven, uh, and it's much easier to link leads generated by events or uh, certain forms of owned content to uh, deals so that the marketing team can go back to the CEO, CFO, whomever, and say, uh, yeah, well, we did this thing, and then it produced a result. So aren't you happy, and aren't we, are we making good use of your money? <laughs> yes. Uh, so proof points, easy to show we're a real busy shop. So 
how should companies integrate generative AI into their communication strategies without losing sight of the core narratives that hopefully they've built? And can we just create a new GPT that actually instructs us what those core narratives should be in advance? I've recently gotten into that, creating my own GPTs for different things that I want to produce. The strategies are kind of just laid in there, including the keywords. I mean, I think it's a mainly at present ChatGPT and similar tools are for research and inspiration, right? So if you want to find out about something, you've never written a blog post about location data, you say, you know, write me a blog post about location data and X, Y, or Z, and it can do a pretty good job of educating you quickly on, uh, you know, what that would look like and how someone in the industry might talk about that. But that doesn't tell you anything about how uh, your company specifically should be talking about it, like what your company's assets are as opposed to the assets of competitors. Uh, it doesn't tell you what your customers specifically care about, which not only can ChatGPT not tell you that, but often the client can't even tell you that, right? Like often marketers are themselves divorced from what their customers actually think about them. Um, so to me, all of like, again, ChatGPT is useful for that tactical purpose. It can be, it can help you with efficiency. It can provide some ideas, jog your brain. It can be a little uh, partner in dialogue for you. Uh, but it doesn't yet solve the strategic problems of uh, coming up with what the message should be, how the message is going to help you meet broader business objectives. Um, but I don't know, maybe you've seen something different because it sounds like you you are using it for strategic work. Uh, well, when you know, when you stop and think about it, I'm I'm plugging in direction to the GPT so that it's regurgitating along the format that I've already as a human decided this is where I want this to go. It really it truly is tactical. It feels strategic, but it is tactical and it's producing things at a faster pace. Mm -hmm. Um if it if it comes down to this is how I show non-comms leaders, you know, my CEO uh, or, or the VP of, of human resources, which tend to swallow up communications often within their portfolio. And it's just a completely different, different discipline. How do we demonstrate the value of our work? Then it comes down to the, the key performance indicators that we established to show, no, for, for that four hours, you're right. I didn't produce a thousand newsletters or whatever the case may be. I sat and thought strategically and, and often coupled with that, let's face it, the human habit as comms pros in the office or even working from home is we go to meetings all day. How are we supposed to find time to ideate and be creative and really provide that value if, if all we're ever doing is going to meetings and doing tactical things? Yeah, it's a good question because I think let me just like cut the BS and say that I think like most teams do not know how to calculate this value. They don't have time to calculate it. There's no one, unless you're in a big company, like even, even in large ad tech companies, uh, I'll ask them, you know, okay, well, we're talking about measurement. I'm like, do you have anyone on your team? They might have 20 people on their comms and marketing team. And I'll say, do you have anyone who is like a data person? whose job, who has skills in that area and whose job is to figure out like what's working, what does the data say, how can we optimize? There might be one person. And then usually what they'll tell me about that one person is they're so busy, they're getting so many requests from everyone across the marketing and sales organization that they don't even really have the time to uh, assess the efficacy of content from a data-driven perspective. 
In addition, when people say they are collecting data on the efficacy of their content, it sounds it can sound very intimidating and like, oh my God, they must be doing such sophisticated things. What like I need to do those things. And then you talk to them about it and it's like they're measuring white paper downloads. And like maybe if they're sophisticated, they're able to like tie those downloads to specific sales opportunities. Right. So that they can then say, you know, okay, well, last quarter, these seven uh, sales opportunities, uh, they had downloaded a white paper at some point. So we can say that the white papers are generating X in pipeline and then maybe X in deals. But it's a much less advanced science than I think people make it out to be. Yeah, absolutely. I was just reading uh, Reagan's daily newsletter before you and I joined the recording. Um, and Allison Carter article, Allison's been on the podcast, Wonder, wonderful, wonderful journalist, uh, talking about prompt engineers and how this will be one of the new waves in 2024, probably right through 2025, is to hire the prompt engineer, the person who knows how to load chat GPT. Let's face it, that that's one of the primary tools they're going to be using, and that these will be easily six-figure jobs amongst successful companies. I guess what I am asking is, is that the right approach? Should that be one of the higher-paying jobs in the industry when really the output is mainly tactics? Well, I think the first thing is that the strategy is indispensable, right? So you can't have those prompt engineers if they're not also creating the strategy or if you don't have someone creating the strategy beforehand. Let's be generous and say that the companies hiring the prompt engineers have the strategy taken care of and then it is a question of tactics. I mean, my reply is essentially like, that sounds fine. Like, you do it the way you want to do it. If you want to have a content marketing manager like old school, you know, a real human being, who knows the industry and has writing chops and it is going to write all that content, then that's great. That'll probably be especially effective if it's like high consideration B2B and it's not a massive company and like volume isn't the play. If volume is the play uh, and you need to be creating, you know, dozens of articles a month, then maybe that is the best way forward. Like maybe you make sure you have the strategy and then you have someone who is an, a writer and editor who will you who will work with generative AI tools to create the amount of content you need. And maybe you have one person doing that, whereas in the past you would have had uh, three to five people. I don't know. I don't know if we're quite there yet. I think probably my guess would be the content is worse. Is it, but what, what companies are really gonna be wondering is, what do I really need this content for? And even if it's worse, like let's say it's 20% worse, doesn't matter. If you can save two people from a headcount perspective, uh, maybe it's worth it to you to have content that's 20% worse. I think that really comes down to, is it like an old school SEO thing where you're just trying to get pages on the internet and people through the door? Or is it like thought leadership where it's like you're really winning by building credibility and differentiating your brand? Really good. And there is no clear answer to that. The more futuristic approach, the, the SEO example, the more futuristic approach is to look at the, um, is it the behavioral qualifiers for, for what's driving SEO rather than, hey, I got these keywords. I produce transcripts on my website for every episode. And part of that is I'm hoping the words that you and I say are recognized by Google. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying here is it's it's not black and white that one approach for one company could be correct and a different approach for another company could also be correct. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing that always gets lost when we when 
shiny objects like generative AI uh, pop up and everyone has vociferous debates over the future of marketing and these objects roll in it, uh, people start to make grand pronouncements, right? It's like SEO is dead uh, or, you know, fire your marketing team or anyone who's using generative AI doesn't understand marketing at all. And it's like, of course, the reality is more complicated, right? It depends on how does marketing work for your business. But in a way that just brings us back to question one, right? That yeah, it, yeah. the way you're going to use generative AI and similar tools is going to depend on uh, why you're doing content in the first place. Like what's the business objective? Okay, tough question here. I know your company, Sharp Pen Media, it offers its clients narrative building, editorial planning, content development, all the things that you're, you're speaking highly of. I think you're onto something here and you and I share a similar background in that we're both journalists. So all questions are good because there should be answers to all questions. Um, I think you're onto something here about generative AI, but others listening might conclude, well, he feels a potential threat from AI. So that's why he's saying this. I guess I'm putting you on the spot here, Joe. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are two different ways to think about this. So the first thing is, like we have strategic clients and we have tactical clients and some are both. I don't think AI is at the point where it's going to be replacing strategy. I think even when AI has become very sophisticated, there will still be a more limited number of human professionals who are setting the strategy um, and directing the machines. Um, and we do play that role for a lot of our clients. So there's that bit, right? The strategy thing I think is... Uh, strategic marketing services are more insulated from disruption by AI. Then there's the tactical stuff. And that goes back to what I was saying before. Uh, are we doing really like highly nuanced forms of content creation that are meant to differentiate B2B brands who have commoditized technology and really need a sophisticated narrative um, and sophisticated spokespeople to captivate their customers and help them build credibility? Well, then we are more insulated as marketing service providers from uh, AI. Are you just an SEO content agency and all you're doing is uh, writing, you know, what is content marketing type blog posts? And that event, which isn't really what we do, and that event, I think you are much more vulnerable to disruption by generative AI. Though even there, I will add a caveat, which is I've discussed this with SEO people and what they will say, which makes sense to me, is like, okay, on its face, it might seem like SEO is going to be easily disrupted by AI. But what if you have three companies in a category and they're all using similar generative AI tools to create content? Doesn't that just once again lead to a homogenization problem where each company needs to figure out how it's going to transcend the status quo, presumably by doing something more than relying on AI? So even in that case... I think there will be a role for human content creators. And I think more than anything, what will distinguish the companies from uh, who are, you know, slashing their content marketing spend and replacing it with AI from those who continue working with human experts is what is their view of marketing and how do they view its role within their organization? Because if they respect marketing and they think, you know, this is a complex thing that's going to have a big impact on our business. Uh, they're probably going to continue to uh, hire high value experts. Others, the kind who were, you know, offshoring it and using Upwork and all that, 
they might be the first ones to cut it and not to go back to it. So good. I really appreciate your time today, Joe. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Joe Zappa, we've got his contact information in the show notes. Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Stories and Strategies podcasts. If you like this episode, do us a favor, share it with one friend. Uh, We're also on YouTube and YouTube Music. You can check us out there, full audio episodes, and we publish short video segments as well. So just search for us on YouTube. Thanks for listening. 